0: And this David inquired uh, of the Lord, Shall I go up
1: into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to so, him, Go up. David said, To which shall I go up to? And he said, To Hebron. So David
0: went up there, and his two wives also. and had known of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And David brought up his men who were with
1: him, everyone with his household. And they lived in the towns of Hebron. And the man of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. Okay,
0: let's stop there. And, uh, you know, what if you were David, and uh, you are uh, anticipating becoming king, and uh, the way has been paved, because uh, there is no Saul as a rival on the throne at the moment, so what would your next step probably be? Take the go take the throne. What? Pursue the kingship. Pursue the kingship. What would your first step have been? How would how would you go about doing that? Okay.
1: Most in this time period were first trying to kill off the lineage of the previous king.
0: Okay, that would maybe be a good plan. Let's get rid of Saul's family. Would you perhaps consult some of your advisors and plot strategy? You know that might be a a good idea. Would you maybe try to uh, recruit some uh, supporters among uh, maybe uh, leftover cabinet members of Saul or whatever? See if you can you know kind of uh, work in that way. Well, there's a lot of things you might have done. What was the thing David did? He went to the Lord. He inquired of God. You know, we might have done that, you know, way down the line. After we decided what to do, we talked with everybody, we made all our plans, we might have said, Lord, would you please bless me in my assuming the kingship? You ever do that? I do. You know, I decide... Uh, through my own thinking and strategizing, through talking with other people uh, and, and and all of this, through my research, I decided, you know, I believe this is the best plan. Now, God bless it. Well, David doesn't do that. He inquires of the Lord and he says, shall I go up to one of the cities of Judah? And the Lord says, "Yes." and he says, where? And the Lord says, Hebron. You know, Even though everything seemed right for David to make a move, he doesn't hastily take matters into his own hands. He he turns to the Lord. Lord, what do you want? What is your will? Isn't that what we ought to be doing in every situation? You know, we ought never to make decisions without consulting the Lord. And that means more than just asking the Lord to rubber stamp what we've already decided to do. You know, should we make some kind of a a move? A change of residence, perhaps? Should we make some business uh, decision? Should we even change our recreational pursuits? Without consulting with the Lord, without seeking the Lord's will, and uh, wanting the Lord's guidance. And uh, so, God says, go up to Hebron. Um, That's in the very south, perhaps, That's going to be a slower process to consolidate his kingship over the whole nation by doing that. But often the Lord's way is the slower and more patient way. And so he does what the Lord asked him to do. He sought God's will in this situation. Comments and questions about that. Logan. It
1: it mentions his two wives and says uh, Hinoam and uh, Abigail,
0: but what happened to Michael? Michael? had been given to another man by Saul. In uh, chapter three and uh, verse 15, uh, well really, uh, verse 13, you have that. I forget just at the moment, somebody remember a, a reference earlier to what Saul did with her? Is there one? I can't remember. verse 25, 1 Samuel
1: 25.
0: 1 Samuel 25, thank you, Jacob. 1 uh, Samuel 25 at the end. Yeah, 2544, thank you. Now Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Tai, the son of Laish, who is from Galilee. So that's what happened.
1: But th- doesn't, isn't she mentioned later whenever the ark is brought She
0: up? is because in the next chapter, one of the conditions for David accepting this deal with Abner is he gets his wife back. So she was taken under protest of her new husband, at least, from him and given back to David. Yeah, good questions. Jason?
2: Um, do you think when David's um, approaching the Lord here, he's talking to a prophet, or is the Lord directly telling him this?
0: Good question. Here's what I would guess. I would guess he's talking to a priest who has the urim and the thummim, because often inquiring of the Lord means that. I'm not sure I can prove that di- uh, without a shadow of a doubt, but that's what I think. Other questions or comments about these first four verses? Good, good discussion. Okay, uh, the rest of verse four through verse seven.
1: And they told David saying, "It was the men of Jabesh Gilead who buried Saul." David sent messages to the men of Jabesh Gilead and said to them, "May you be blessed of the Lord, because you have sworn this kindness to Saul your lord and have buried him. Now may the Lord show loving kindness and truth to you." and I will also show this goodness to you because you have done this thing. Now therefore, let your hands be strong and valiant for Saul your Lord is dead. And also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them.
0: Okay, now this goes back to some information at the end of 1 Samuel. Also, the uh, Philistines had uh, put the body of Saul and the bodies of Saul's sons on the wall of Bethshan in 31.12. And uh, what do the men of Jabesh-gilead do?
2: They,
0: they get them. You know, they don't want the Philistines to display these bodies as some sort of a, a trophy of war, a very shameful, disgraceful thing, for Saul and, and uh, his sons. So they uh, brought them to Jabesh and, and burned them there and took their bones and buried them. They treated them in a more honorable way. Now, wonder why. Well, first of all, let me ask this Jabesh hyphen Gilead. What does it mean when there is a hyphen Gilead, as there are several times in these city names? I'm On the right-hand side of the Jordan River was the territory of Gilead. You know, we live near Franklin, Indiana. And it's pretty important we say that. Because if we just say we live near Franklin, where could that be?
2: Tennessee.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I got a variety of answers. Some of you live near Franklin, Tennessee, Franklin, Kentucky, Franklin, Ohio, wherever. Yeah. So... The hyphen Gilead means that's the province, more or less. That's the state, we could say, where they they are from. So, wonder why it was the man of Jabesh Gilead, of all places, that would have been particularly concerned to give Saul and his sons an honorable burial. (laughs) Yes, sir. Saul
1: had rescued,
0: when he first became king, rescued Jabesh Gilead from From, being wiped out. Yes. From who? Nahash, who was the king of the <coughs> Ammonites, and uh, he was wanting to do what with the men of Jabez-Gilead? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Gouge out their uh, right eye. <laughs> and they sent to Saul, and Saul is really his, pretty much his first kingly, you know, debut, was able to get an army together by the grace of God and, and attacked and attacked. Uh, uh, pushed back Nahash, so he was no longer a threat. And uh, so they owe a special debt, perhaps, uh, to David, and uh, or to, to Saul, and, and so they had honored Saul's body. Now, what's David doing with the men of Jabesh Gilead?
2: Blessing them.
0: You're blessing them. He's he's giving them his encouragement. May you be blessed of the Lord because you've shown this kindness to Saul, your Lord, and have buried him. May God show loving kindness and truth to you, and I I will too, because you've done this thing. You know, he's congratulating them, thanking them, praising them. Do you see a reason why he does that, or at least a result of him doing this?
1: He shows that he wasn't the one who had
0: with Saul? Absolutely. It shows that he uh, is grieving Saul's death. It shows that in a different way. It shows that he is glad Saul was honorably buried. It's a demonstration to other people that he's certainly not going to punish Saul's allies. You know that would happen sometimes. Sometimes the new ruler would do everything he could to retaliate against uh, friends and, and assistance of the prior king. But he's going to show favor to those who have served and blessed Saul. Uh, so uh, that, that establishes David's attitude toward Jabesh Gilead, uh, which was in Saul country, and, and to all other supporters of Saul, potentially. Comments and thoughts about that?
1: I no, we can't kind of see that today in politicians. Like they try to get other people to like them by giving other people praise. Do you think he did it with ill intent? I mean, it's not his history to do that. But
0: I don't think this is ill intent. Actually, sometimes you see that in politicians. Sometimes you see just the opposite. Especially once they get into power. Sometimes they do everything they can to uh, fire and, and, and to, to hurt people who have supported their rival. That's a very common thing, too. I think David's just showing here, I think he's sincere in th- being thankful that Jabesh Gilead honored Saul's body, and I think he does want everybody to know how he's going to treat former Saul supporters. And he was going to treat them well. There's no hypocrisy in this. That is the attitude he had toward. Thoughts?
1: how his first correspondence officially
2: is king is a positive one. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Very good. Other thoughts? Yeah. Well, I was
1: going to say, in
2: First uh, Samuel 24, in verse 21 and 22, the first time that um, uh, David spares Saul's life, he makes a promise to Saul about not killing off his lineage. Yes. And how he's holding up that even though Saul is dead, and it's like, oh,
0: what would matter? But he made that promise to him. And, and, and especially, think about how many kings you know in the Bible that, that did kill family and even sometimes supporters of their predecessor. Who are some kings you can remember in the Bible that did everything they could to wipe out the family and friends of the prior king?
2: Athaliah.
0: Athaliah. Jehu. Yeah. A, a queen king. <laughs> 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 Who else? Pharaoh. I don't remember, Maybe it may have been true. Who else? Who are other kings that wiped out the... Herod. Herod. <laughs> he wiped out some of his own family members.
2: be able to... A
0: bunch of the kings of Israel, like Omri, Zimri. Yes, Omri, Zimri. Who else? Another big one. Jehu, we said. Beisha. Remember that? Uh, I believe Shalom did that. There's a lot. If you started adding them up, we, we probably sometime need to study 1st and 2nd Kings, don't we? All of us. <laughs> I, I, I've noticed that in some studies in Brazil as well. Seems to me like one of our weaknesses is 1st and 2nd Kings. It's one of my uh, goals for this uh, next few months is studying on those books because it's uh, a weakness of mine as well. But So that's a really common thing. You know, lots of Kings would do that. The fact that David's not going to do that especially given the obvious rivalry between them is a pretty significant thing. I mean, certainly Saul would have done that if he'd have been in David's shoes, you know. So the fact that David won't is an important point to establish, I think. Other thoughts? All right, how about 8 to 11? But Abner, the
2: son of Ner, commander of Saul's army took Ismasheth, the son of Saul, and brought him over to
1: Maadam. And he made him king over Gilead, over the Asherites, over Jezreel, over Ephraim, over Benjamin, over all Israel. Ismasheth, Saul's son, was four years old when he began to
2: reign over Israel. Then he reigned two years. Only the house of Judah followed David. And the time that David was king in Hebron over the house of Judah, was seven years and six months.
0: Alright. So, um, we got a rival king to David. We were hoping perhaps that David would become the king and that would be that. It's not the way it worked. And it's not the way it worked because of who, basically? Abner. Abner. Now, who is this Abner guy? He had been the commander of Saul's army. And uh, what does he do that keeps David from being the king of the whole nation? Saul's son. He brings Saul's son onto the throne. His name was Ishbosheth. Now, I thought Saul's sons were killed in the battle of the Philistines. Not all of them. This one was not. The others were. Uh, and so this is the one that he's able to use in this way. You know, uh, the men of Judah had made David king. Abner makes Ishbosheth king. He is really the guy who has the power. Ishbosheth is more or less a figurehead in, in the sense that, you know, for Abner to say, I'm the king, well, he doesn't have the pedigree. You know, he's not one of Saul's descendants. So he'll put Ishbosheth in as the king. That seems legitimate, but he's really the guy who's in charge. He's kind of using Ishbosheth as his front in that. Uh, by the way, anybody have any idea what the name Ishbosheth actually means? Man of, shame. Man of shame. Wow. Would you name your kid Man of Shame? Saul <laughs> would. Saul would, but I think Saul wouldn't. Anybody know the story behind a word like, a name like Ishbosheth? Some of you have heard me teach this before, probably. It's not exactly what it was named. Right. Do you remember, do you know what it was named? Yeah. Uh, Brian? My
1: Bible says. E-S-H
0: Yes. First Chronicles 8:33. Probably not something you've been reading over diligently. I don't know. But uh, there are some uh, nuggets of, of important information here. In uh 1 Chronicles 8:33, Nur became the father of Kish, and Kish became the father of Saul, and Saul became the father of Jonathan, Malthushua, Benadab, and Esh Now the deal with that is this. Eshbaal means man of Baal. Baal means lord or master. So he was a man of the Lord. Except Baal came to mean that idol god we know as Baal. It kind of lost that general meaning of lord or master and became used all the time for the idol god. Later writers would not somebody Esh Baal, man of Baal, you know, it would, it would sort of like t- be taking a word that changes meaning and then using it at, for a name. We've got some words like that that have changed meanings and then they kind of become ugly as a name. And so they didn't like to use the name man of Baal in later generations because Baal was terrible, so they'd change it to Bosheth. He was a man of shame if his name was Baal. It was just, uh, they, they wouldn't say Baal, they'd say shame. And, and you've got the same thing in the next verse in 1 Chronicles 8. The son of Jonathan was Meribaal. That's Mephibosheth that we know him, but, but he was Meribaal. Uh, and so uh, that they would consistently do that. They would switch names that had Baal at the end and but Bosheth at the end for this reason. Comments and questions about that identity, I, I may not have explained that very clearly. But. So,
1: so did Saul intend for that to be a tribute to Baal of any
0: kind? No, not at all. This was kind of pre-Baal. Baal was not so known for, you know, so known at that point in time. So he intended that to be a man of the Lord, you know, using the generic name term for Baal, but as time went on, Baal became associated with the name of the idol God. So no, I don't think Saul was an idolater in that or had Baal in mind at all. Yes? Do
1: we know anything right. about this son going to war with Saul? And do you think his name has perhaps something to do with him?
0: I don't know. I don't know why he didn't go to war or if he did, why he wasn't killed. I don't know the answer to that. Somebody got an answer on that? I, I don't think there is one. I'm wondering if that's why his name was changed. Same I he just I don't think so because there were a lot of other names like Meribale that went to Mephibosheth and so forth. Right off hand, what are the other names that end in Boshet? Somebody got another one in their mind? I think there's one or two others. But I'm not thinking of them at the moment. Okay, now look at what happens. You know, Abner makes him king over several regions Here in verse 9, Gilead, the Asherites, Jezreel, Ephraim, Benjamin, even over all Israel. However, where is it that he is actually made king at? What place? Mahanaim. Do you know where that was? That was in Gilead. That was on the right-hand side of the Jordan River. Wouldn't strike you as where you'd expect somebody to be made (laughs) king. Those are kind of those, you know, two-and-a-half annex tribes. (laughs) I suspect, we don't know this for sure, but I suspect the Philistines were so dominant in that, you know, main Israel area that it was safer for him to have his capital on the right hand side of the Jordan River. I mean, he may have been king over all Israel, but I'm not sure how much king he was really able to be over a lot of that territory because of Philistine dominance. But at any rate, you know, he becomes king, and uh, now you've got the rivalry between David and Ishbosheth, between Judah and Israel. You know, back when David was in. Uh, Ziklag? You remember the end of 1 Samuel? What did he keep saying to uh, Achish that he was doing?
1: Killing
0: his He was fighting against Israel. Now he actually is in the position that he was pretending to occupy back then. You know, that's kind of ironic. Maybe that's, uh, you know, God paying him back in the same coin. I don't know. Uh, but, But David was king in Hebron for seven and a half years and Saul's son was king uh, for two years. Now, that's a little hard to understand. How did David get to be king seven and a half years before he then consolidated the rule over all Israel, but Ish-bosheth is only king for two? I don't know the answer to that, for sure. Uh, I don't know if possibly um, the two years uh, are uh, like prior uh, to to the five and a half years, or maybe did it take five years for Abner to get control of the power enough to put Ishbosheth in? You know, maybe it was kind of five years of undefined chaos. We really don't know the answer to that. Yes,
1: look. At what point is it that Abner tries to join David? Could it be that he was kind of controlling things in the meantime?
0: Well, yes. I mean, he certainly was controlling things, at least during the time of Ishbosheth. Whether he was before that, maybe he was. I don't know. Ishbosheth was certainly king when Abner tried to do that in right, chapter 3. Right,
1: but I'm saying if there's. So Ishbosheth is king for two years. Right. It is for seven and a half. Right. Does, he, does Abner join David before Ishbosheth dies?
0: He tries to, yes.
1: Okay. Yes. <laughs> right. I think I noticed it's first in Judges but were Judges and two Samuel books written after the divided kingdom because a lot of times you see
2: over Israel and Judah which I would have thought it all would have been Israel with Judah as a subset of that make that sense.
0: Yes. you know I don't know the answer to when they were written um, but it may be you know that, that's an interesting observation you see it several times I think it may be That there was already some semblance of division between the north and the south, even though they were not formally divided. I I suspect that's the case. I suspect when we come to Rehoboam and Jeroboam, we didn't suddenly just have this division that there were no seeds of already. And, and, you know, for some of my evidence would be some of these statements that seem to separate Israel from Judah. That may have been the feeling they had even at that time and not just a later back reading of, of Israel and Judah into that.
2: Just now, those seven years, could that just be a reference to how long he actually reigned in Hebron?
0: Well, yes, but it looks like in chapter 5 that once he became king of all Israel, he moved to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ty.
1: Well, just to reference chapter five, there it says in verse four that he's about thirty when he takes the throne at that point. So we're assuming that now he's like 22,
0: 23... Or maybe that he—yeah—I'm not sure about that. I, I, I hadn't really thought about what—what—what's the verse?
1: Uh, five four, and then in reference to like the seven years he's in Hebrew, so like he's in his twenties at this point, and he's thirty when he actually takes. I think I had
0: thought that he was thirty when he started reigning in Hebrew, and on like thirty-seven. Okay. But I'm not sure if I can prove that or not. That's what I thought. About his age as well. Yeah. Somebody have a definitive answer, yes.
1: Um, the reason why Ishbosheth was only reigned through years he was murdered and then and it says in uh, 2 second Samuel uh, chapter four that Ishbosheth saw a son uh, heard from Adam and he lost courage and his was disturbed. Um, and then all the only remaining son was a cripple. There was unable to leave Israel, so there was no leader for five some odd
0: years. Okay, that's the other possibility is that Ishbosheth is killed and but David still didn't really become king over the whole thing for five years. You know, we're kind of not sure whether to put the five years before or the five years after. I think both of those are possibilities. You know, you can see a scenario that would fit either one of those. Good good observation. Other thoughts? <laughs> You know, there's a few details sometimes when we're trying to just see this and see what's going on in our mind. A few details now and then that are a little obscure to us. It's helpful to think about them. We may not always know the exact answer. At least I do. Um, So would somebody read 12 to 17.
1: Abner the son of Ner and the servants of Ishbosheth the son of Saul went out to Mahanaim to Gibeon. And Joab the son of Zeruiah and the servants of David went out and met them at the pool of Gibeon. And they sat down, the one on the one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. And Abner said to Joab, "Let the young men arise and compete before us." And Joab said, "Let them arise. Then they arose and passed over by number twelve for Benjamin and Ishbosheth the son of Saul and twelve of the servants of David. And each caught his opponent by the head and thrust his sword in his opponent's side. So they fell down together. Therefore that place was called melchath Hazarim, which is at Gibeon. And the battle was very fierce that day, and Abner and the men of Israel were beaten before the servants of David.
0: Well, you've got hostility between Abner and Joab, the commanders of the respective armies of Israel and Judah, and uh, between Ishmael, and David, and uh, Abner makes a suggestions as to how they proceed with the battle. What's his suggestion? A contest of champions. Yes, a contest of champions. a good way to put that. You know, some kind of a, a, a battle just between the elite of the two armies. That way you don't have to kill off everybody. You know, just put your best man forward and see who wins in that battle. I don't know if that ever worked or not. It doesn't work very well in this case because what happens? They all die. Yeah, they pretty much just came to a draw because they killed each other off and so it doesn't really contain the hostility like Abner had hoped for. It. They now just fight each other, both armies, which is probably what usually happens in those situations anyway, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it was a good idea. Uh, there's just, But there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of conflict uh, here between Eshbosheth's forces and David's forces. Comments and thoughts? Yes, runs uh, a lot of David and
2: what they did there.
0: That was exactly the same idea, and uh, I don't know if it worked very well there, either, so.
2: <laughs>
0: I don't know, it's just hard for me to imagine that the losing side will accept the verdict. You know, who knows. You know, I always think, well, you know, maybe we didn't select the right 12, I don't know. David.
1: We see this in a, this style, this fighting style through a lot of this time period and surrounding nations that the, there's an upper class that kind of can afford the armor and say things like that. So. They kind of have like some champions that do that, but yet we still see many times that there's an army that backs, and usually, regardless of who wins or loses, they still
2: bitterly really hold to their reward.
0: Right. Yes.
2: I'm a little Alex. bit surprised that the uh, Lord didn't bless David's men, and David didn't just outright win and take control of the kingdom right then and there.
0: Sometimes the Lord's way is the longer way, isn't it? You know, we're thinking, well, why does he just do this and get it over with? Sometimes he doesn't do it that way. Maybe there are blessings in the gradual approach. Good observation. I think I would have expected the same thing. Other questions or comments? Good, good comments. All right, well, the battle. 18 to 32. 32.
2: Now the three sons of Zariah were there, Joab and Abishai and Asahel. And Asahel was as swift-footed as one of the gazelles which was in the field. Asahel pursued Abner and did not turn into the right or to the left from, the, from following Abner. Then Abner looked behind him and said, Is that you, Asahel? And he answered, It is I. So Abner said to him, Turn to your right or to your left and take hold of one of the young men for yourself and take for yourself his, his foil. But Asahel was not willing to turn aside from following him. Abner repeated again to Asahel, Turn aside from following me. Why should I strike, uh, strike you to the ground? How then could I lift up my face to your brother Joab? However, he refused to turn aside. Therefore Abner struck him on the belly with the butt of the end of the spear, so that, so that, so that the spear came out of his back. And he fell there and died in the spot And it came about that all who came to the place where Asahel had fallen and died stood still. But Joab and Abishai pursued Abner, and when the sun was going down, they came to the hill of Ammah, which is in front of Gael, by the way of the wilderness of Gibeon. The sons of Benjamin gathered together behind Abner became one band, and they stood on the top of a certain hill. Then Abner called to Joab and said, Shall the sword devour forever? Do you not know that it will be bitter in the end? How long will you refrain from telling the people to turn back from following their brothers? Joab said, As God lives, if you had not spoken, surely then the people would have gone away in the morning, each following his brother. So Joab blew the trumpet, and all the people halted and pursued Israel no longer, nor did they continue to fight anymore. Abner and his men uh, then went through uh, Araba, All that night, so they crossed the Jordan, walked all the morning, and came to Mahanam. Then Joab returned from the following Abner, when he had gathered all the people together. Nineteen David's servants besides Asahel were missing. But the servants of David had struck down many of Benjamin and Abner's men, so that three hundred and sixty men died. And they took up Asahel, and buried him in his father's tomb, which is in Bethlehem. Then Joab and his men went all night until the day uh, dawned at Hebron.
0: We kind of need to get the family tree down here a little bit. You've got David and his sister. I've never known how to pronounce her name, but Zariah or something like that. And she has three sons. She has Asahel that we'll see here. She has Abishai and she has Joab. And this threesome is very significant in various stories in 2 Samuel. Now what you see in this particular story is that in this battle that ensues, you've got Asahel chasing Abner, wanting to kill him. And Asahel has a special quality. What's his quality? He can run, like what? Like a gazelle. And those are pretty fast, so uh, this guy's speedy and he's catching up and his whole point is to kill Abner what does Abner say to Asahel who's chasing him?
2: Stop. You don't want to do that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Just go for somebody else. Don't mess with me. But Asahel keeps going He tells him again. Turn aside. Go for somebody else. Don't, don't mess with me. He wouldn't do it. He continues chasing him. And so what does uh, Abner do? Stop. Stop suddenly. And it looks to me like, more or less, uh, Asahel impales himself on the butt end of the sword. I'm not sure exactly how that could happen. Uh, but it did. Now, he must have really been fast. <laughs> <laughs> and he died right there. You know, now, that is really, you know, like a killing and war, but I think Abner kept trying to tell Asahel not to do that. Not so much because he thought Asahel would kill him, I think he had this plan, but because he didn't really want to have to kill Asahel. And I suspect he didn't want to have to kill Asahel because he knew what the family was like. You know, even if he kills him in battle like this, he knows things will get complicated. Uh, after that. That's my guess as to, to what's happening. So he kills uh, Asahel. And we can't forget that later on in the story. And then they continue having the combat. And finally, Abner says, listen, you know, we're going to kill each other off. I mean, let's have a ceasefire. You know, let's, let's stop right here. Jab said, well, it's good thing you said that or we wouldn't have. And uh, so they do stop and when they take the body count, how many in Abner's army are dead? Three hundred and sixty, and in Joab's army, uh, twenty. Uh, so, wow! <laughs> Looks like Joab, David's army, uh, has the upper hand on Abner and uh, Ishbosheth. Comments and questions on this?
1: Of these twenty men, are the twelve that killed themselves twelve elite people included?
0: You know, I I think I have assumed no. But I'm not sure if I'm right about that. Anybody got a statement where the 12 on each side included in the 20 and the 360? Good question.
1: Well, it says these men were in pursuit, and those men weren't really pursuing. They were just battling. Kind of face off, yeah.
0: Okay. Other questions are coming? All right, would somebody read chapter 3, verses 1 through 5? We'll read them.